Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Friday, October 25th, we are studying Amos chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. The prophet has finished the oracles of judgment against the foreign nations and against his own people. Now he keeps his focus upon God's own people, Israel, as he continues to speak the word of the Lord against them. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Brian Flammy. Pastor Flammy serves at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Roswell, New Mexico. Pastor Flammy, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. Pastor Flammy, as we get started this morning, we've really turned a corner here in the book of Amos. The first two chapters are set off that they form a distinct unit of these oracles against the nations, God's own people included. Give us a a rundown of of where we've been in the book of Amos and and where we're headed now. Yeah, eight oracles have been spoken against uh, the people, uh, and they've been spoken against Syria, Philistia, Phoenicia, Edom, Ammon, Moab, and then finally, seven and eight, Judah and Israel. Now with Judah, uh, Amos's home country, <laughs> he only had a couple of things to say about Judah. Uh, but with Israel, this is where the Lord wants to speak his, his anger and his judgment. And so for 10 verses in chapter 2, he spoke this, this uh, very uh, almost shocking sermon against uh, the, the kingdom of the north, saying that the Lord will press you down in your place as a cart full of sheaves presses down. Flight shall perish from the swift, and the strong shall not retain his strength, nor shall the mighty save his life. And he goes on uh, to talk about how God is angry with Israel. And it's not without reason. It's not without reason. Uh, two things uh, come up throughout the book. Uh, in general, talking about the wider context, namely the, the lack of love according to the Ten Commandments to the point where those who have power and money are using that to oppress those who do not. And this is contrary especially to the Fifth Commandment. And then the most dire thing that the people of the North uh, uh, have done is uh, they've committed terrible idolatrous worship. And the worst kind of idolatrous worship on their lips, they will tell their neighbors, and, and they'll tell their neighbors to the south, uh, the kingdom of Judah, that we worship Yahweh. We go to Yahweh's, uh, well, at least we'll go to the southern boundary of the northern kingdom and worship Yahweh there. <laughs> uh, but but uh, when they're at home or when they have uh, uh, other time, they, they go and worship the false gods. And uh, this, this idolatry is really the reason why the Lord is angry with the northern kingdom. And even if by all appearances they seem to be a pretty decent people, uh, understandably, uh, uh, you know, they, they show themselves to be uh, somewhat godly, and they show their neighbors uh, that they're, hey, we worship Yahweh, we respect Abraham and where we came from and all he's done for us. Uh, nevertheless, the Lord sees past the appearances to the heart, and that's what he condemns here. 
Uh, it's one of Amos's contemporaries, Isaiah, who who says that their their lips are, are speaking the right things, right? But their hearts are far from me. That language that Jesus picks up on in the Gospels as well. Amos Amos seems to be doing a very similar thing throughout his book. As you as you were talking about the various foreign nations, and then you've got Judah and Israel, to whom Amos has spoken already. It, it brings to my mind, at least, a question I think we would do well to consider, and it, it certainly I think will come up in the text that we have before us today. Who is Amos talking to? Generally, we've been saying he's going to speak primarily to the northern kingdom, Israel. Yeah. But it seems there's a bit of fluidity in the way that he uses these terms and in the people who are going to hear these words. So as you think about Amos as a whole, and, and then you know, for our text today as we, we start to get into it, who's Amos talking to? Yeah, so we know that Amos came from uh, the southern kingdom. He was a, what, a vine dresser and uh, uh, some kind of shepherd. Uh, He he, uh, would raise livestock. And then from all appearances, he he went up north to preach the word of the Lord in in, in his neighbor's kingdom. But but as you were saying, as it comes up in our text, uh, uh, first he speaks an oracle against Judah because they're not off the hook. Uh, they've rejected the law of the Lord, and they've not kept his statutes. Therefore, you know, they're going to get the same divine fire of wrath uh, that Israel will. Uh, but it's clear, at least from chapter 2, that the majority of what he is saying there is to the northern kingdom. Now, at the beginning of chapter 3, however, he takes those two parts and binds them back together. And he, uh, uh, and he directs his words now, yes, to the north and their particular sins of idolatry, but now he speaks of Israel in a more uh, uh, in the sense of all twelve tribes and uh, everyone that the Lord brought out of Egypt to deliver them from Pharaoh. And I, I think the reason that I, I want to bring that up is because it helps us to understand how to to hear it today. Perhaps um, sometimes mm-hmm. I think in the way that it's it's good and right that we understand the context that we read the minor prophets in particular and, and all of scripture so that we know what is the situation the prophet is speaking into what what situations is he addressing at that time but not so much that we lose sight of the ways that the prophet still speaks to us today i mean is that is there a balance there pastor flammy well uh I think that St. Paul in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10 uh, tells us how to see the, these things were written down for our instruction upon whom the end of ages has come. Uh, by looking at the example of uh, the, the 12 tribes of Israel, both uh, the 10 tribes of the north and the two tribes to the south, the Lord wants us to see, especially through what happened uh, uh, through the Assyrian invasion and, and to exile to the Babylonian invasion and exile to the south, of what happens when you do not fear God and worship him according to his word. There's only wrath, destruction, and, uh, and, and uh, there is no salvation there. So, it, yeah, I, absolutely, this applies to us, and we should take all of this to heart, thinking to ourselves that, well, if I continue in sin or if I even seek out sin, I should not for that reason think that I'll be in any way spared from God's anger. Uh, even if I don't, I mean, it seems like this is part of the reason why God sent preachers to the, north, to the kingdoms of, of Israel and Judah. He sent the preachers there because they were complacent. 
they looked around with their eyes and they said, I don't see God's wrath anywhere. It looks like there were, that we're a special people set aside by God to receive all his abundance and favor. Uh, I don't need to hear proclamations of condemnation and doom. It looks like God is treating us pretty well. And so we need the preaching to remind us that despite what the devil might set before our eyes, yet the Lord, through his word, wants us to understand the state of our souls according to the Ten Commandments, and then to have them lifted up again by his promise and grace alone. Let's go ahead and take a look at the two verses we have before us here, Pastor Flaming. Again, we're in Amos chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. The prophet says, Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O people of Israel, against the whole family that I brought up out of the land of Egypt. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. So, Pastor Flame, it's, it's only two verses, and, and I, I told you prior, I know maybe we could have taken these together with the, the previous or the, the coming verses too. They certainly relate, but I think that these two do form a, an introduction to what Amos is going to do from here on out and help us to summarize what he's already preached. How, how do these verses function maybe as a transition in the book of Amos? Well, probably one of the questions that might come up after hearing uh, the preaching of the eight oracles is, is this. Why? Look, the Gentiles, they're absolutely godless. They don't have the word. They don't have the temple. They don't have the sacrifices uh, that, that preach the future perfect sacrifice for the remission of sins. How is it that Israel has so much more, apparently, divine wrath stored up for them? than even for the Gentiles. It, it, it staggers the mind. Uh, it, it's a bit of a riddle. And, and, uh, and to be honest, uh, Amos doesn't make it any easier on us <laughs> because he says, look, uh, the, hear the word that, uh, from the God that brought you out of Egypt. Uh, I've only known you. Uh, I've only uh, had this, this special communion with you, Israel, by giving you my word, my special deliverance of, uh, uh, from, from this Gentile nation of Egypt. And, and because of that, uh, you have stored up for, uh, for yourselves extra anger. <laughs> uh, it, it, or, it, you know what I mean? Like, and so we would expect the sentence to read the opposite way. You only have I known, Israel. Therefore, you know, I will be kind towards you. That's what we expect, that God will, will give more of the same, that being set apart from all the nations of the world must necessarily result in just blessing and favor. But here the Lord is saying something that we don't expect, uh, that I set you apart from all the nations of the world. He reminds them of the deliverance, the, at least the bodily deliverance that he had accomplished uh, in bringing them out of Egypt. But now he says, because of that, uh, you're now going to be the special recipient of my anger and my wrath. But, and so it begs the question, why? You know, what is the middle term of the syllogism, so to speak, that we're missing out on? And I think it's this, uh, that because, precisely because they had the word of God and they had been set apart from the people to hear that word, uh, to, to believe in it, to be saved by it, they were set apart from the world to have the sacrifices and the temple um, and the glorious promise that through the line of Abraham and then of David, the Savior of all the nations would come. When they turned their back on God and his word and his sacrifices 
and the worship of faith. It's even worse for them than for the Gentiles. Uh, uh, and this is probably the summary of what I, I would especially want to highlight today. It's especially worse for them because unlike the Gentiles who are ignorant of the Lord, Israel has now made a practice of hardening its heart against the Lord. Uh, a special breaking of the Ten Commandments, uh, of the Ten Commandments, and especially the Second Commandment. Um, they, through false worship, they commit a kind of blasphemy and listening to the false prophets. This is a kind of active working of hardening your own heart against the Lord, and because of that, uh, the Lord's anger is going to be especially harsh towards them. Mm. Jesus in in Luke chapter. 12 speaks about the the servant who knew what his master's will was and didn't do it and receives a more severe beating than the servant who didn't know what the master's will was and didn't do it. And and so we have a similar thing going on here in in Amos chapter 3 and it is very striking there as you point out in verse 2 the the word therefore I suppose is the one that and, and what comes after the therefore is what strikes us. You are the ones I've known Therefore, I'm going to punish you instead of, as you pointed out, you're the ones that I've known. Therefore, I'm going to bless you. And so I think we, we need to really dig into the background of, of these verses to, to get at how the Lord comes to this conclusion. And, and it seems to me there's, there's a couple things that we can talk about. One, what does it mean to have been known by God? What does it mean that, that they are the ones that are known by God? And then there at least as, as I'm reading, there's two important, at least two important Old Testament accounts that we need to know the background of. The language of all the families of the earth sounds an awful lot like what the Lord said to Abraham when he called him in Genesis chapter 12. And then the matter of the Lord bringing them up out of the land of Egypt is, is very specifically mentioned here by the prophet Amos. So, so Pastor Flammy, where, where do you want to start in those? And, and if you want to add anything to it, you know, we've, we've got a good amount of time to talk about this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think I would like to talk about what it means to be known by God as Israel. Uh, like you were saying, there are, there's good Old Testament background that we should be aware of. Uh, especially, it might be uh, really, really great to look at Deuteronomy uh, chapter 32, because there the Lord talks about the particular kinds of sins that will bring this particular and especially severe kind of wrath. Uh, it really sets, it does well to set it in context. And I'm looking forward to hear, uh, looking forward to hear your uh, contextual uh, passages as well. That should be good. Go ahead and into Deuteronomy 32 for us then, Pastor Flammy. You got it. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, the Lord is called the rock, uh, the rock upon which uh, Israel is founded, the rock that follows Israel and that we as Christians know as Jesus. The rock is, of course, the word that lifts up Israel and blesses it, not just with the bodily blessings of freedom from slavery, and uh, the freedom from bondage in Egypt, uh, but also the spiritual blessings of forgiveness and eternal life. Uh, it, from, from the very beginning, it's been more than just a bodily salvation for Israel or an external salvation for Israel. Otherwise, the Lord would never have given his uh, tabernacle, his temple, his sacrifices, and his worship to Israel. All of these things were given so that through the, the sacrifices and the worship, they would learn about the forgiveness of their sins. Well, the Lord says, 
um, well, the Lord says uh, and, and warns quite direly that that when I uh, when I, as your rock, brought you up out of the land of Egypt, I set you apart from all the people. And so, and this is verses 8 and 9 in Deuteronomy chapter 32. It says, when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, that is, when he put all the people in their place, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. He found him in a desert land. And in the howling waste of the wilderness, he encircled him. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. We hear this expression from time to time in our, in our day, uh, the apple of his eye. Uh, that means that, that God saw Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and remembered them and gave them what he gave to, to no one else at that time, which is this beautiful promise uh, 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 that, that to Abraham, that, that he belongs now not to the false gods, but to the true God. And not only that, the true God was going to work wonders through his flesh. Uh, he would resurrect his old body to the point where he and Sarah together could have a child, Isaac. And, and then he said that your descendants will, will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And Abraham believed all these things. And also the Lord said that through you will come the one who will bless and save all the nations of the earth. All these things Abraham heard, uh, uh, not just for his bodily comfort, not just for just uh, merely peace of mind, but, but he was saved. Uh, he believed the Lord, and, it w- and, and uh, this faith was credited to him as righteousness. And so it was for all who, who came after Abraham. They were a people uh, not like the other nations of the earth that merely saw themselves as identified as belonging to one bloodline or another, they learned to identify themselves as the people who heard the word of the Lord and believed it, which is going to be a key distinction to make up here. It's, this is the way of the Gentiles and thinking that uh, who I am is determined by who my blood parents are. And, uh, and what I receive <laughs> depends upon the kind of blood that I have, what, the, the place where I live, the kind of culture that I have, even the gifts that I get from my father when he dies is all depending on the kind of blood that I have in my veins. Well, for Abraham, it's always been different. Uh, his blessings come not from uh, his father, Tamar, so much as they come from the Lord himself and his word that separates him from all the other people of the world. Uh, so after the Lord finds Abraham and separates him and Isaac and Jacob and and the whole nation of Israel away from the world, uh, the nation of Israel is guided by him. Uh, they, uh, they're given the, the Torah, the, the Holy Scriptures, by Moses' hand. But then in verse 15 it says, But Jeshurun, this is, uh, again, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 15. But Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. You grew fat, stout, and sleek. Then he forsook God who made him and scoffed at the rock of his salvation. Now, this is during the 40 years of wandering before entering into the promised land. So Moses is speaking words of prophecy. He's saying, these are the things that are going to happen when you get there. Uh, they stirred him, that is the people of Israel, stirred him to a jealousy with strange gods, with abominations 
they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods that they had never known, to new gods that had come recently, whom your fathers had never dreaded. You were unmindful, and this is the theme verse here, of the rock that bore you, and you forgot the God who gave you birth. Uh, and, so the, the, and so in setting the, the particular context of, uh, uh, of why Amos is speaking in this way, uh, he's bringing to remembrance the rock that bore the people of Israel, of Judah, and also to the tribes of the north. He's, he's bringing to remembrance uh, that they were not only set aside to, to receive blessings through their blood, but especially to receive blessings by faith and by obedience to the Lord's word. We have to remember that when it comes to the possession of the promised land, like the ground upon which they stood, uh, the Lord always conditioned that promise through the uh, obedience of the people. And so when the people uh, do not keep the Ten Commandments, the first three concerning God and also four through ten concerning their neighbor, the Lord in no way assured them that they were going to hang on to their land. In fact, because of their disobedience, and their sins, and the persistent sin, the Lord took away all the land from them. One, uh, that's a great rundown there of Deuteronomy chapter 32. And, and, and one of the things that, that I'm catching from you, and I, I think this is pretty important, is that the thing that separates Israel from the rest of the nations is they're hearing the word of the Lord, and particularly that the word of the Lord was their forgiveness. And, and I appreciate what you said there at the end about the promise of the ground on which they stood, this promised land, the physical location was conditioned on their obedience to the Lord's word. But that obedience always had to stem from the faith in the Lord's word, what was being preached to them in the sacrifices and, and the whole tabernacle and, and temple system that their forgiveness was coming through the blood of of another preaching forward to to Christ crucified, and so I mean, I guess, I guess the the point that I, I want to make, and, and tell me if if I'm following you, Pastor Flammy, is that mm -hmm. what it means for them to be known by the Lord isn't simply a matter of behavior. Your behavior looks different than everyone else, but rather it, it's more closely tied to the fact that through Israel, the good news of salvation by grace alone through Christ, that is where it's being preached. And, and above all else, that's what they're missing in the time of Amos. Is that, am I following you or oh, yeah. is that a fair thing to say? You, yeah, absolutely. You're following uh, uh, well, because this is what the, the whole point of selecting Abraham out of the nations of the world was for. It was for not the conditional promise of the land. Uh, uh, there, there was a greater promise. A great, and the greater promise was that through Abraham's seed would come uh, the blessing to all the nations. Now, this is the wonderful thing, and, and the thing that we have to keep in mind when we read these words of judgment and wrath. Even though the people of Israel and Judah disobeyed the Lord, they took up the false worship of false gods. Nevertheless, nothing would ever take away from or rob them of the promise of the seed of the woman who would crush the serpent's head. That is what we call an unconditional promise. There the Lord spoke, and he did not say, if you're, if you're able to obey me, if you're able to do the law or keep the commandments, 
Then, then I will send the Savior who will crush sin, death, Satan, and bless all of the nations and save them from their unbelief. No, that promise is uh, inviolate. I suppose it would be a good way to talk about it. And, and it's almost like, I, I, it just if, you, if your uh, listeners and, and, and fellow readers of Amos start to get uh, a little bit concerned by look, reading all of this judgment and wrath and woe, and especially if you yourself feel crushed in your conscience because of your sins that you see in concert with that of, of Israel, look forward to the, end, to the end of Amos. And this is the way it is with all the prophets of this time. Though they preached the law with greater sternness, and probably more effectively <laughs> than a lot of preachers do today, nevertheless, they never let the preaching of this law, judgment, and condemnation take away from the Christ who is to come. And it has nothing to do with the people's obedience ever. And so at the end of Amos, and it's especially in, verse, in chapter 9, uh, starting with verses 9 and following, uh, whoever you, you're going to get to work on that with you, uh, Pastor Apple, is going to be really blessed. <laughs> there you have the promise of Christ, and that despite everything, even if it looks like the line of David had been busted and thrown down and, and cast into ruin, the Lord himself would rebuild, uh, uh, would rebuild the house for David. He would repair its breaches, raise up its ruins, uh, and, and then he says that, uh, the days are coming when, and he has these beautiful I- I images of the plowman overtaking the reaper and the treader of grapes overtaking the one who sows the grape seeds and the mountains dripping sweet wine. And then he restores the fortunes of his people, Israel. And there he's not just talking about the people who lived according to this conditional promise of keeping the land if they were only very good and obedient to the Lord's word. No, he's talking about the new Israel, the Israel of faith, which is the Holy Christian Church, uh, the Holy Christian Church that he draws out of all the nations through the gospel. And that's the church in which we live right now. You're listening to Sharper Iron this morning. We're looking at Amos chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 with Pastor Brian Flamey. We need to take a short break, but we'll be right back. Please stick around. Pastor Mark Hawkinson, host of Moments of Assurance on KFUO, inviting you to tune in to the weekend edition of the program, the new time of 7.45 a.m. Saturday and Sunday mornings, Central Time. There'll be a different text and theme each week and plenty of encouragement and strength, which only the Lord's Word can supply. So join me for a quarter hour of God's power and strength. That's Moments of Assurance weekend at 7.45 a.m. Saturday and Sunday mornings on KFUO. Since 1978, Lutheran Church Extension Fund has had the humble privilege of supporting Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Ministries and her workers. Thanks to faithful investors, LCEF has provided thousands of church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations with the low-cost loans and resources they need to reach more people with the saving name of Christ. To learn more, visit lcef.org or call 800-843-5233. 800-843-5233. Oh, Lord, open my lips. 
Daily Chapel serves those who serve the Lord to be receivers of the Word and to remember where our true help is found. Hear God's Word read, preached, confessed, and sung in the broadcast of Daily Chapel from the LCMS International Center in St. Louis weekdays at 10 a.m. on KFUO. The broadcast of Chapel is underwritten by LCMS International Mission and Ministry to the Armed Forces. Did you know that many LCMS military personnel and their families are unable to receive word and sacrament ministry due to the lack of LCMS chaplains? Ministry to the Armed Forces is looking for pastors who will answer the call to serve as a chaplain to provide word and sacrament ministry to the men and women who selflessly serve our nation. Find out more about this exciting ministry by contacting me, Chaplain Craig Mueller, at lcmschaps at lcms.org. That is lcmschaps at lcms.org. Welcome back to Sharper Iron on this Friday, October 25th. We're studying Amos chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 with Pastor Brian Flammy of Emanuel Lutheran Church in Roswell, New Mexico. Pastor Flammy, prior to the break, we were talking about what it means for the people to be known by God. And as during the break, I was trying to jot down some notes to try to summarize what we were saying in terms of the, the right understanding of this. Because what, what I'd like to do is say, is, is, take this in two parts. What would it have looked like for the people of Israel to have rightly understood what it meant for them to have been known by God and to use that that teaching correctly? And then on, on the opposite side, what were they actually doing in terms of what did they think that it meant to be known by God? How were they abusing that such that they received the, the judgment that they get here? So, so the, the, first, the first part of that then, what, what would it have looked like for them to have rightly understood this matter of being known by God? It would have included the promise that was given to Abraham that through him, all the families of the earth were going to be blessed through this Savior that was to come, this seed that had been promised. It, it would have looked like uh, recalling the rescue that the Lord gave them from Egypt to deliver them from freedom to slavery and the the sacrificial system that he gave them to preach Christ crucified. And it would have included the fact that they got to hear the word of God and they would believe it for the forgiveness of their sins. Is that a, a pretty decent summary of what we've been saying so far? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, of course, when you talk about God knowing uh, uh, people probably oftentimes run to the, uh, this, this thing called the omniscience of God, that of course God knows everything and he knows Israel, uh, but he knows Israel to be his instrument of salvation for the whole world. Because again, it's through Abraham, uh, Isaac and Jacob, it's through David and his children that he's going to bring forth Jesus, who's going to die for the sins of the world. Uh, and, and, and so to know God, according to his knowledge of Israel in this way, it, what does it look like? It looks like keeping the third commandment. It, it looks like that, that instead of, uh, you know, uh, going off to chase the, the false gods of the Gentiles, I'm instead content to hear the Lord's word and his promises of the great things that he will do through Israel for the whole world. And in listening to the preaching of the coming Savior, of the Messiah, finding my comfort and my peace and my hope, right? Uh, it looks like going to the temple uh, uh, as God commanded. So there, uh, uh, sacrifices can be made that will instruct the people about the nature of the work of the coming Messiah, who is going to shed his blood, 
for the salvation of their souls and also for the souls of the whole world. Uh, so, so again, God knows Israel as his instrument of salvation, and for Israel to worship in, in communion with that is to, is to know and to believe that God has set him apart and, and uh, by faith in his word, worship him accordingly. Now, I, I think I, you said... What, well, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was I just going to say, that this, in, uh-huh. in connection with what you were saying then, this matter, of, and maybe this is where you're about to go, um, but that, that they would be content to hear the Lord's word and they would go to the temple in Jerusalem. We, we know particularly mm. that the northern kingdom is not going to the temple in Jerusalem. They're worshiping right. in, in Bethel and Dan and a variety right. of idolatrous shrines. And again, not that, yeah. uh, and recognizing here that, that the people of Israel are speaking fully of all 12 tribes, it's not like Judah was, was innocent in this either. But also connected to that keeping of the third commandment then in terms of it, it would have also been incumbent upon them the, the second table of the law would have followed from that as well. That that being known by the Lord is not to be content to remain in these sins against the second table, but to seek to to live according to them and to take care of the poor, the the widow, the fatherless, as as Amos will detail as well. So, I mean, those, those yeah. two things are connected, the first and second table here. Yes, absolutely. Look, uh, uh, from faith comes the obedience of the law that, that God really wants. He doesn't want a servile obedience to the law where you imagine the law to be your instrument of righteousness. No, what he wants is the worship of faith. And what, worship of, and what the worship of faith looks like to the eyes of everybody else in, in the world is that you're keeping commandments one through ten. And also, uh, it, 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 and, and also, it makes it so much easier to keep the commandments once you've been set free from, from their demands that uh, uh, do this and you will live. Now that God has said, look what I am doing uh, for the sake of Christ, and now you will live, now I'm set free to love God with my whole heart, according to faith. Now I'm set free to love my neighbor as myself because I, my, my heart has become generous and it's overflowing with with thankfulness and gratitude for all the blessings that God has given to me. So no matter how much I sacrifice for my neighbor's sake, I know because I believe that God will, will, will abundantly continue to bless me, right? So that's, that's the keeping of, of both tables of the law according to faith there. Now, hmm. you said before, what, what, is it, what, what do you think they probably believed <laughs> about being known by God? What I think, and this is the the sin that comes up even in the New Testament, um, it's, it's this, that uh, the, the people of Israel saw themselves as another country on the face of the world that had uh, not just another country, but, just a, 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 but a country that has received a special place in God's favor. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, you hear this term American exceptionalism, uh, where the American people believe themselves to be somehow divinely uh, appointed to receive special blessings from God to like, you know, invent the airplane to be the richest, the most powerful, to have the most freedom. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That, that because America does it, it must be okay or, or good or righteous. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It it comes out in the language of our politics. We're the city on the hill. Right. And, Mm -hmm. And so on and so forth. But well, here Israel considers itself to be, this special country of privilege and position. And because God has shown them such great favor in the past, necessarily they think that God will continue to bless them and to show them favor now and into the future. 
And so it's, more, it's less of a faith in the Lord's word as it is a faith in just who they are as the Lord's people, uh, apart from the word. Uh, and so they said, we're Israel. I mean, how could God ever be angry with us? We're Israel. Uh, God put us in this land and he, and he fights for us. Uh, what, what could we do to ever, uh, what could ever happen to take us out of that position? Uh, and thinking of themselves abstractly like that, or in thinking of themselves as just being a special country with special favor from God, what they forget is that the Lord said that you will have the land only if you obey my word and keep my commands. Otherwise, I will take the land from you. Again, this doesn't take away from the gospel promise of what the Lord will do through, through David and, and, his, and his seed. But nevertheless, uh, the Lord said that, that uh, uh, you must keep my word, because if you do not, then this land that I have given you, the favor that I've shown you in the past, will not continue. Uh, it's kind of like this. Uh, instead of American exceptionalism, maybe you could compare it to Lutheran exceptionalism. <laughs> What's that, uh, we, Pastor Flammy? <laughs> what is that? Well, this is great. Uh, because we, we, we often fall into the trap, even as old, uh, old Lutherans and even pastors. And we, we fall into this trap of thinking to ourselves, hey, we're the Missouri Synod. Uh, uh, we, we, we're, all, we're God's special chosen uh, instrument of preaching gospel on this earth. What, what could we do wrong? Uh, uh, we're, we're God's, uh, or for the person sitting in the pew, they, they might say to themselves, I've, I've been a member of Emmanuel Lutheran Church for three or four generations. Uh, and so my opinions, whatever they may be, are definitive of actually what the, the Lutherans believe, teach, and confess. Uh, regardless of what the Bible says or what our Lutherans, Lutheran confessions say, right? And so this is kind of thinking of yourself in, in this way, that I've been here for so long that I belong here no matter what. <laughs> and that nothing I really do uh, can take me away from my position here. It's like, it, so it's finding your identity and the idea of yourself as being a Lutheran or finding your identity in being an Israelite as opposed to rightly defining what it means to be a true Israelite, which is to hear the word of God, to believe it. And when you do sin, to repent of your sin so that you can, through the word, receive forgiveness. Once, if, once you start defining yourself as an Israelite because I've always been an Israelite, right, or a Lutheran because I've always been a Lutheran, or that America will always be blessed by God because it's been blessed in the past, that is the sure road to ruin. Uh, God doesn't want you to think of yourself as, as uh, 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 you know, just a Lutheran as such, <laughs> as if Lutheranism is a cultural phenomenon. Heaven forbid. That is not what it is. What it means to be a true Israelite, what it means to be a true Lutheran, is to hear the word of the Lord, to hear it, its admonitions of the law, to repent of your sin, and to be forgiven for Christ's sake alone. If that's not how, what, what it means to, to sit in the pew on Sunday, then you're there missing the whole point of it. You're not there to be a part of some kind of social club, right? And, and also for the Israelites, they weren't just there uh, to, to be a thorn in the side of the Gentile nation. They were there to proclaim to the, they were there to proclaim to the Gentiles and also to, to be comforted themselves in the Lord's word. Uh, and, once they lose, and once they lose their identity in the word, then uh, whoever Israel is in the north or in the south, uh, you know, be it Judah and Benjamin in the south, then they, uh, 
they, they've broken the second and the third commandments, and God's wrath will come. Yeah, man. So Lutheran exception. Yeah, that that's a great definition. And and what you were talking about with Lutheran exceptionalism was that was some of the things that were that was running through my own mind too as as a pastor. I mean, you'll you'll hear people say, "Well, pastor, I was confirmed here." Even though maybe you've been the pastor there for nine and a half years and you've never seen them in worship. Um and so, yeah, what what does it mean for you to be a member of the church? Are you defining it on the word that you hear, the word that comes and forgives your sins and gives you Christ crucified? Or are you defining it on something else? And that's really the key to what's going on here for the people in Amos time. And it's still uh, something that we deal with as Christians today, a constant temptation to define ourselves as Christians, as the church on ourselves or on anything other than than Christ and his word. And, and as you pointed out, Pastor Flamey, this is something that comes up in the New Testament as well. Jesus deals with this in a couple places in the Gospels. Perhaps a look at some of those will help shed additional light as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in the Gospels, uh, Jesus comes, or first John the Baptist, and then Jesus, they come into contact with the, the hard-heartedness of the Pharisees and the other members of the Sanhedrin. You remember that the, the Sanhedrin grew suspicious of of John the Baptist, and so apparently some of the Pharisees went down to figure out what's going on. And as soon as they show up there at the banks of the Jordan River, John the Baptist begins his great Advent preaching (laughs) by calling him a brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath that is to come? Uh, Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Uh, And then he says, and do not presume to save yourself. Now he reveals their particular sin. We have Abraham as our father. That's it. That, that is the real sin that, that, was, that, that, that sits at the heart of, of, is, of Israel at the time of Amos, and that sits at the hearts of the Pharisees during the time of, of, of Jesus uh, preaching and teaching upon this earth. That, that they thought that they deserved God's pleasure, kindness, salvation, because they were of the blood of Abraham. Now, just compare that thought, that Hey, I have as a birthright, by reason of blood and by reason of flesh, God's kindness. Compare that to John chapter 1. I'm flipping my own Bible right now. John chapter 1, which talks about true Christians, both Hebrews and Gentiles, right, who are born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man but of God. That is, by the Word, through the Holy Spirit, and, and, which is only delivered to us through the Word. That is what Israel had forgotten. And that's what the Pharisees in the time of Jesus had forgotten as well. And so Jesus, again, in John chapter 8, verses 39 through 47, uh, you, you, you see that uh, uh, the Jews and Jesus are really, well, they, well, especially the Jews are getting angrier and angrier and angrier. Uh, and so they say to Jesus, somewhat in, in, in a way of, by way of insult, insinuating that Jesus is of illegitimate birth, Abraham is our father. Jesus says, no, you're not, because if you were Abraham's children, in the way that the Bible wants to preach it, you'd be doing the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You're doing the works of your father. And they said to him, 
Well, oh, anyways, the, the whole point here is that Jesus is saying, look, you think that you belong to God because your blood comes from Abraham. But in fact, because your hearts are far away from the word and the promises of the word and faith in the word and the salvation that comes by faith in the, in the Messiah and what he will do, therefore you're, you're not of Abraham, let alone of God. You are of the devil. Uh, who, who plants the lie in people's hearts and people who trust in the lie as opposed to trusting in the word, in Christ and in the forgiveness of sins that he alone can, can work. Hmm. Uh, so I, I, I hope that, uh, that somewhat gets at the, 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 the root of what's going on here, um, that it's, it's one thing to think that you belong in the Lutheran church or any other church uh, because you've, you've always been there or your family has always been there. Uh, it's it's a better thing, and in fact, the right thing to know. The reason why you're in church is to is to repent of your sins because you've been you you've been taught the Ten Commandments, uh, uh, and then to hear the Word of Grace, which gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit, faith, true saving faith, and it's by that faith, born of the Word, that you have real communion with God. It's not because you were born into the Lutheran Church or, con- or necessarily just because you were confirmed in the Lutheran Church. It's because you hear the Word of God and believe it. As it is now for the Lutherans, so it was also then for Israel. This is why Amos came to preach, to, trying to break them of this habit of thinking that Abraham's our father, therefore God loves us. Instead he said, no, God's angry because you've mixed together the worship of Yahweh with the worship of the false gods. Therefore, repent of your idolatry. Worship God as he has uh, taught you through his word. Do the worship of faith, and then, and then you will have true and real communion with God. You will be the real Israel that he desires, not the, the fake Israel who looks at blood and works, but it's the, the true Israel of the word and faith. Hmm. And so it's, it's for that reason, then, this neglecting of what it means for the Lord to have known them as Israel. That is how Amos then comes to that shocking conclusion as he preaches in verse 2, you only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, that's the reason that I will punish you for all your iniquities. They've, maybe to to put it in in more dogmatic terms that, that we would use today, they've forsaken the religion of the gospel for the religion of the law. And so the Lord is going to deal with them under the law and punish them according to their iniquities. Could we say that? Yes, you can say that. You can also say this. Uh, Israel, uh, they are God's children. <laughs> mm. they, and, and the Lord chastises those he loves. He does. Uh, uh, and, and when Luther comments on this, you know, uh, this is what he wants to draw out. Is the, the reason why he's saying that they're going to be especially punished is because he especially loves them. Look, the law, when the law is preached to you as a, uh, as a person who comes to church every Sunday, that's, the law isn't coming against you because God's angry and, and ha- at you and he hates you. <laughs> he's, he's giving you the law because he loves you. And he wants you to repent of the things that are killing you so that he can lift you up again by his word of, of spirit and life. Uh, and so the law is being preached here. As, and this is probably the thing that is, is most important to understand about how and why Amos preaches the law to Israel in this way. He's not doing it just to, to crush and to destroy 
and, and, and to condemn to hell eternally. He's preaching the law against the whole nation of Israel so that the godly in Israel can have their stony hearts crushed, that they'll repent of their idolatry. And no matter what happens to the, to the land or what happens to the country of the ten tribes in the north, uh, they will be spiritually saved and delivered from all of God's wrath and punishment. Why? Because they've turned away from the false gods of mixing together the worship of idols with the worship of the false gods, and they are now worshiping the true God by his word and faith. Uh, that, so the preaching of the law serves the greater preaching of the gospel. And you can't throw the gospel like pearls before swine. Uh, for, for sinners who are hardened in their sins, as it was the case with the, the, the northern kingdom and, and many of the people there, they didn't see why it was such a big deal that they were you know, spending some time in the high places, that they weren't actually going all the way to the temple in Jerusalem, uh, why it was such a big deal if, in addition to Yahweh, they had like 12 other gods sitting upon the, the hearth uh, or sitting on the mantelpiece of, above the hearth of the fireplace, right? They didn't see why it was such a big deal. That is not, those are not the people that you preach the gospel to. You don't say to them to confirm them in their sins, it's okay. God accepts you. God loves you. No, because they need to be, they need to be dissuaded from their unbelief, from their unrighteousness. And that's why God has appointed the law for that work to break up the stoniness of our hearts, uh, uh, to, to give us true fear of God and in fear of his wrath and judgment so that, so that we would not confuse our own works with God's work, of, of his, uh, his work of grace that lifts us up literally from spiritual death to give us spiritual life by the forgiveness of sins and by the promise alone. Uh, Amos preaches the law so severely because he knows that you can't throw the gospel before people who do not have ears for the gospel. They don't think they need salvation. They think, they presume that they're fine with God, even though that's far from the case. So, Pastor Flamey, as, as we, we draw a, to a close today, about three and a half minutes left, then I, I want you to, to, to take Amos's words then and, and help us apply them rightly. Because as you said, after the law has come and crushed our hearts so that we see our utter sinfulness and our desperate need for Christ our Savior, it would seem that the words that Amos uses, you, or the Lord speaks here through Amos, you only have I known of all the families of the earth. Words like that can rightly be used to comfort those consciences. Or, or for example, to, to re- recall, as Luther tells us in the Catechism, to, to remember our baptism. Um, this is mm. the, that I am baptized or that God has baptized me can rightly be used as a as a comfort to the, the terrified conscience. So so with with about three minutes left here as we, we draw a close to the morning, help us to take that language that Amos uses here in judgment and apply it rightly for our comfort today in Christ. Yeah, I think that. I think that you wanted to talk more about election and, and God's choice, which is <laughs> which is fine. Uh, uh, and, uh, uh, and of course, you should also, dear listener, uh, remember that, that God has chosen you out of all of the nations of the world to receive his baptism and to receive his promises that your name, and this is how the, the authors of the Formula of Concord put it, that your name has been ri- written in the book of life. That's beautiful. That is such comfort. And yet in this life, you know that as, as a baptized Christian, 
even though God has elected you and has chosen you out of this world to receive his grace and favor, yet you know that you continue to be attacked by sin and by uh, the fear of death and by the lies of the devil. And as you're attacked in this way, uh, uh, you know, grace is not irresistible. Uh, Grace is, 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 we as Lutherans do not hold to the anti-scriptural idea of once saved, always saved. If anything, we could see how the preaching of the prophets refutes that. For the people who have been chosen by God, uh, the danger is there that you can fall into sin. But thanks be to God that even though God gives us his grace and even though from time to time we, by, you know, by, because of the weakness of our flesh, we, we sin against that grace or even by intentionally sinning against that grace, yet God loves us so much uh, that he gives us the preaching of the law to break up the, the sinfulness of our hearts and the, and the stony unbelief of our hearts, even for the baptized, right? So don't ever think that once I've been baptized and then I sin, now I've lost from God's grace forever. Heaven forbid. Luther says in the Catechism, and he explains a, a, a confession and absolution in this way, that when you repent of your sins and you hear the, the preaching of the forgiveness of sins, this is a daily return to baptism, not by your own strength and will, but by God's. And so for as long as you live in your baptism until death in this life, God will continue to exercise his will and his choice through his two swords, the sword of the left, which is the law, to turn you away from sin, to teach you true contrition and sadness for your sin, and, by, and also through the sword of the right hand, the greater sword of the gospel, which lifts you up. Uh, by his love, uh, to receive the gifts that Jesus has purchased for you on the cross. Pastor Brian Flammy is the pastor at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Roswell, New Mexico, helping us this morning with Amos chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Pastor Flammy, thank you for your time today as we consider what it means to be known by God, that he gives us his word, that we would hear it, believe it, and find our forgiveness in Christ Jesus. It's a joy to share that faith with you. I look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks for spending the morning with us.